3: Broke me. I
4: feel like spiritual health has actually seems to have been at the forefront. The, really the power of play, I think, as, as an intervention here, have robbed them, I think, of play. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in Medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have Shireen Edisam on the show. She is an entrepreneur, seasoned media executive, and transformational speaker. She's produced films, original television series, specials, and created several companies and led campaigns for some of the world's most recognized companies. ABC, CBS, Discovery, BBC, Facebook, Apple, Intel, Virgin, and many more. A proud member of the LGBTQIA community, Shireen founded OML TV, a popular platform dedicated to streaming and curating quality queer female video content and OML originals. A female-led production company telling diverse female stories through a vast spectrum of film, and television genres. Today, she guides seekers in her six-week program, Free to Be, to disconnect their human being from their human doing to find true and lasting fulfillment. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you for having me.
4: So this seems like you're on a show today about, we're talking about spirituality it seems like a far cry from kind of some of your bio. Entrepreneur, media exec, transformational speaker probably fits in there. But how did you end up here in a, in a spiritual space exploring spirituality and the soul?
3: So I it's a very good question. I, you know, and and my hope is and hopefully that will come through in the book is that you know, you can do what you do and do spiritual, you know, that you don't have to remove yourself and go to a, you know, an ashram or a retreat or any of that. Um, You talk about grounded spirituality. That's, that's really what it is about. Practical spirituality, as I call it. Mm -hmm. I, Began my true soul searching at the end of 2013. I went through a major breakup with my partner at the time. Um, We'd been together for 13 years and good friends for nine years prior to that. And we had a 20-minute conversation and um, the 22 years of friendship, partnership, uh, (laughs) all of it disappeared. Uh, vanished, and it really propelled me into. I want to say that it was the catalyst. I mean, it was ultimately the catalyst for the change, but it propelled me into a abyss of darkness and nothing. Mm. And it was not only frightening because I didn't know why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. Um, it, it became clear to me pretty quickly that it wasn't a matter of a broken heart. Everything felt broken, like it just broke me. And I was afraid for the kids because I was like, okay, this can't be good. And uh, so I decided to really look at what was going on because I had all the worldly goods, right? I had everything that would be that one qualify, use as a qualifier for success in life. Right. I had the, you know, the, the beautiful homes, the lofty positions, the accolades, the awards and, and all of that. And I felt totally empty inside. Mm. So I, you know, people are like, oh, well onto a new chapter and such. And I was like, I don't want a new chapter. I I want an entirely new book, you know? Mm. And so I, set out on a quest without really knowing what i was doing up until then i i I was what i call a half-assed spiritualist you know i would just do spiritual when uh it was convenient and what did that look
4: like because i think a lot of people do this so tell me a bit about what I,
3: i consider it um and i mentioned it in the book i consider that a form of spiritual bypassing you know so It's, you know, it's basically practicing spirituality when it's convenient. So going to a retreat once in a while, you know, going to yoga and doing, you know, drinking pressed juices or wearing Tibetan jewelry and, and, you know, oming, uh, which all of that is great, but much like going to a gym or seeing a therapist. If you do it once every six months and expect some sort of major shift, you might have an aha moment, but it's truly in the practice of it. It's in the integration of it. If you want to transform your body, you go to the gym and you really work that out. If you want to have a perspective shift, you go to a therapist and really dig into what is going on, but people think that somehow spiritual is either just going to dawn upon them or, um, you know, or if they go to a retreat that's going to hold them for, you know, the, the following year. And, and again, I love all of those things and I do it regularly. But it isn't in lieu of the day to day integration and practice. I mean, the the Buddhists call anyone practicing Buddhism practitioners for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's the practice of it. Mm -hmm. So spiritual health, spiritual wellness has to be
4: practiced. So all of those, all of those, it's called a yoga practice, a meditation practice. Correct. I even call therapy, I have a therapy practice. Correct. Um, people come to my practice and they practice therapy doing I mean we do the work of therapy but it's ongoing.
1: Correct. And I think that
3: spiritual health my
4: For those of you who have reached out on Patreon and donated, thank you so much for heeding that call. Thank you. If you have not yet supported the podcast, please go to Patreon, put in Dr. Amy Robbins, and there is an opportunity to support at whatever feels comfortable for you. It helps me with the production costs. My small, very small, but mighty team, it helps keep all of that running. So if you are a fan of the podcast, please consider donating Whatever feels good to you, $5 a month, $20 a month, please take a minute and donate. Also, I am so excited that my course that I have been working on for years is getting ready, getting closer. It will be launched at some point this year. So if you're interested, please go ahead and put yourself on the wait list on my website at draimyrobbins.com. Also, if you happen to have any companies that you think are aligned with the vibe of this podcast, I'm looking for sponsorships as well. And the best thing you can do to help this podcast is to spread it via word of mouth. I know so many of you have already said, I've shared this with my friend or even therapists have shared it with their patients and patients have shared it with therapists. If you love the podcast please, please share it. We have an online global reach here. So go ahead, tell your friends, tell your family, rate and review the podcast, just spread the word so we can continue spreading messages of love and light and consciousness and awareness and science and spirituality and just how to live the most meaningful life that you possibly can. Please support Life, Death and The Space Between.
0: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
2: bumble and bumble seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner The formula, infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp, helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then, open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use Seaweed Air Dry Cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com.
3: Theory, (laughs) my prediction is that spiritual health and spiritual wellness will have their day, much like mental health is having it now you know, 10 years ago, you being in the field must know, you know, like people were still somewhat ashamed of going to see a therapist. They they might, you know, kind of, you know, like, yeah, I'm seeing a therapist. Whereas and now you have celebrities, you have um, uh, sports celebrities and the likes of Prince Harry who talk about the, the benefits of mental health. And I think that that is paving the way to spiritual health because I'm I'm near certain you will agree with me. I don't believe that you can have m- full, complete mental health without spiritual health because then it just ends up, you know, you're kind of moving furniture. Um, yeah.
4: yeah, and I do totally agree. I think part of where I might disagree is I feel like spiritual health is actually Seems to have been at the forefront in a way that is bypassing, which I think is some of what you're speaking to. Yes,
3: that kind of, that kind of, but, but the type of spiritual health that I'm, you know, I wrote the book about and such, I don't think, I I think that you and I are actually in agreement in that it needs to be redefined.
4: Exactly, exactly. Exactly. So how do you define it in the book? And, and what do you talk about in terms of, because you talked about yoga, meditation, I think breath work would fall in there, sound healing, you know, eating clean, eating healthy, like all of these practices that are, have had been maybe seen as new age before, but are now definitely coming more into the Western consciousness because they've always been in the Eastern consciousness. Um how, how else do you define spirituality and how did you, and how did you shift from a, um, what, what did you call it specifically? Like a, a dabbler, fast spiritualist. <laughs> FS spiritualist, a dabbler, maybe, yeah. um,
3: window shopper, a, a, a spiritual wind, window shopper, a
4: spiritual window shopper. What did that, what did that transformation look like when you were brought to your knees? you know it's
3: interesting and you said um uh you mentioned taking it uh out of the realm of the woo-woo and i think that's really important i think that if spirituality can be and, and frankly i don't even like the term spirituality because you don't call mental health mentality you know, right. it's like, right. know that. so the decoupling of spiritual health from the woo woo on one side and from religion on the other side so it truly is in the the redefining and it is i believe you call it grounded spirituality i call it practical spirituality so that it isn't because what you're what one is doing is soul work and soul work is somewhat different than than connecting with the spirit. And I could talk about that Mm -hmm. uh, without sounding too woo-woo. So the soul work is all internal. And the way that I have my book structured is very, very intentional in that we truly, in order to clear our slate, to get connected with our soul, you hear people say, you know, oh, follow your bliss or follow your heart, which I think is a total misnomer. And I could talk about that. It's truly following one's soul. Mm -hmm. But most people are so detached from their soul. It's like, well, how, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the first part of the the book, the first three weeks, um, and again, very, very intentionally structured that way. Part one is three weeks. Part two is three weeks. So 21 days, 21 days. And they say that you know there's some studies about uh, making and breaking habits, and that they take usually around 21 days—not um, to the day, but—but but, so mm-hmm. the idea is that the first part is dedicated to breaking habits. The second part is uh, dedicated to making new habits in in some way. Mm-hmm. So the first the first week is all about decluttering and detoxing one's mind because that is the biggest culprit. <laughs> So uh and week 2 is all about detoxing the heart. When people talk about the heart, it is often around relationships and um that is not where I come from. I mean it is about relationships overall, but it's but it's really about how to take care of our hearts and how to protect it and um and who to share it with, and 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 who to you know create boundaries with, and such. And then week three is all about our body, but beyond sleeping well and eating well and exercising well, it's really shifting our bodies and honoring it as our only vessel through life. I call it our Uber life, uh, our Uber ride through life,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and. Um, So that's so we spend three weeks clearing our slate, our runway, so to speak. And hopefully, by then, once you have that clearing, it's much easier to get in touch with our soul, which is our true essence. There's a lot of studies that talk about disassociation somewhere between age zero and five, zero and seven. We disassociate from our true selves. And so truly the first part of the book is all about clearing our way so we can get back in touch with uh, our true essence, which is what I consider the soul. Mm -hmm. And then once we've done that, like, okay, then what do you do? And week four, which is my favorite, (laughs) it's uh, the, the beginning of part two of the book is all about play. I'm I'm a huge advocate of play for adults and I could talk about that. I, I can't think of a better way than to set someone's to set one's soul free than through play. And then week five is where um, I talk about the tribe of us, which would be our our mind, heart, body, and soul connecting with our higher selves. And that's mm-hmm. where the 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 dance of the soul and spirit um, is explored, mm-hmm. and uh, and then week six is about uh, rewriting one's story. I call it manifesto. Like you mean it. It's really manifest with O in parentheses because we have the capacity to rewrite our stories at any given time. Easier for some than others, but it is very possible for us to begin again at any age, anywhere, at any time. But again, how? So I actually have a VIN diagram. I don't know if you've heard of guy, but um, it was life-changing for me. So it is a VIN diagram for finding your raison d'etre, um, your joie de vivre, your reason for living.
4: Hmm. So. so let's talk a little bit. First of all, how long did the process, I mean, this is obviously whittled down. How long did the process take you throughout your, after you had your, you know, brought to your knees moment? Um, So, yeah. What did that look like for you? It, (laughs) messy, dark, (laughs) dirty.
3: Um, So it took six years. And the reason that I wrote the book, was that after those six years, and I really felt like my life transformed drastically in those six years, but I had no idea what I was doing. I called it bobbing for spiritual apples, because I really had no clue. And I realized that if I knew what I was doing, (laughs) when I was at that crossroad, and I read many books and and such, um, which Definitely helped along the way, but I felt like I was hunting and, and picking, which in some ways I do feel that one needs to do in order to customize one's spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. So it isn't, I would never say, read my book and that is it and follow it. And, and you know, I, I think uh, my book is obviously worth a, a read. And I think that um, it has some really practical um, advice. But, um I there are many, many teachers out there, and for me, it was really important to kind of customize. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea what I was doing. So um w- in reflection, I realized that if I knew what I was doing, that my six- year process could truly have been distilled <laughs> into six weeks, like if I just, mm-hmm. it was sort of like guided. So I wrote the book that I wish I had when I was
4: at that crossroad mm-hmm. and on my knees. So let's talk about the notion of play yeah. and and why you chose play and what play looks like, how you define play and how as adults we can find our way back to that playfulness. Because I know I've <laughs> lost it. I've yeah. Lost that love and playful feeling for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I
3: think it's allowing more than anything, it's really allowing ourselves the time and the ability to play. There are eight different person uh, play personality times that were um, defined by Stuart Brown, who's known as the godfather of um, play. And I had privilege of spending an afternoon with him. So depending on your play personality, there are different ways of of playing and I won't go through all eight of them, but most of I'm us very are. Curious. So I'll, I'll give you some examples. Yeah. Most of us are a combination of a few personality types. So for example, there's the creative. I happen to be very creative. So, um, that could look like, you know, spoken word. It could look like poetry. It could look like, um, prose. It could look like painting, um, anything that it could look like macrame depending mm-hmm. what the, you know, but intentionally doing that. Um, there's the explorer. I love traveling. I could actually combine traveling and, and, and creative and often do, um, there is the joker. I love joking around, but I don't like um, uh, pranking people. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, so again, like I do a combination of of those, but then there are ones like the collector, Um, you know, people who collect stamps and Mm -hmm. coins and such. And I am a total minimalist. So the idea of collecting anything is stresses me out. There's also the the director and uh, the director uh, believe it or not, really enjoys coordinating um, and um, producing events and such. I mean, I've produced all my life. <laughs> and um, But I'm is that considered
4: honest. work? That sounds like work. Exactly. Play.
3: Exactly. For you and I. But some people actually um, get joy out of that. And for them, it's a release and it's a way of really showing up. So if it feels like work, you are not that personality type Mm -hmm. and I'm not that personality type. So depending on your play personality type, there are things to do. I love dancing. Dancing is one of my go-to. So at any given time, I will drop everything, put on disco house music and dance my butt off like no one's watching. And hopefully no one's watching. (laughs) Um, You know, it could be, depending on what it is, it could be cartwheels. It could, you know, go to a playground and swing on the swings or, um, you know, but actual play. So not as adults, what we usually do is that, um, you know, we'll go to, we'll meet, Friends at bars, or we'll go to Vegas and do things that have to stay in Vegas. You know, that's not mm-hmm. the type of play that I'm talking about. I'm talking about building sandcastles on the beach, but allowing ourselves and it. There's uh, and I talk about it in the book, but um, and I geek out over neuroscience and neuroplasticity all the time. But play actually rewires our our brain and for the soul my god it is it's like gifting your soul all the time so yeah there's uh depending on it, where you are also and you know cuz you could take a 5 minute break at work and do some sort of play activity it's not like you have to go somewhere but um there are also places that you can go and and um you know, like you could play at the gym if you're comfortable at it. It just has to be intentionally unintentional because play can't be for a purpose.
4: But does it, so so if you're showing up to take a tennis class?
3: Yes, that's not a a play. Okay. No. Yeah. If you're out on the court and you are um, playing with you, you're volleying with your um, friend and you're not keeping score keeping scores of the is another one um, uh, and you just have to make sure that it's not for a result for a goal it's truly doing it for the joy of doing it so oh, it's if about
4: the pro it's really about the process
3: Correct. So the competitor, actually, they have like um, watching um, uh, sports, going to an arena or um, watching it on TV. That for them could be play. I'm also not in that category. But again, the important thing is not to keep score and not to have it be for the purpose of something else other than play.
4: This to me is like a big Shift. And I'm just thinking about it in terms of my own life, but also the life of our children. You have kids. I have kids. Yeah, too. We have robbed them, I think, of play. Uh, when, yeah. when I look around and I see how scheduled kids are and how, um, how difficult it can be for them just to play, right? They've got so, many, so much stimulation. All the time, and what that does developmentally to our brains in terms of moving us away from our soul, really, because it, playing is a skill. I mean, it really is a skill. Like when when I think when you say play, my initial reaction, and this is why I know I've gotten so far away from it, is that my initial reaction is like, oh shit, like what would that even look like? Like how would I find my way to play? Yeah. And I think that just speaks to the discomfort in, in not having structure.
3: Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think that's where also the, the first three weeks to my book come into place. Like in some ways you could say that you have to, you have to clear the way to the playground, you know, like we, we have no concept of it because we've been adulting for so long. And I we, you and I could have an entire podcast, um, and I would step onto my soapbox to talk about education and how we how our kids, at least the public school system, is truly not benefiting our kids holistically um, because we are feeding them a lot of information often without context so like it's not truly meaningful for them mm-hmm. and and yes robbing them of free time i if i could abolish homework i absolutely would i think that kids spending 7 8 hours at school is plenty and then after that have the freedom to play because but
4: play means not scheduled activities i know we're sort of getting a little bit off track here but i think it's important because yeah. i think it 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 is why as adults we can't we, we don't have that freedom anymore
3: absolutely and and i it's again being intentionally unintentional so allowing yourself you know like okay for the next 20 minutes i'm going to play for the next hour i'm going to play much like we do going to therapy or, or, um, going to the gym, <laughs> you know, it's, it is intentionally playing with the belief. And I think that once anyone starts doing so you feel the benefits of it, much like you would go into the gym or eating right or going to therapy and will continue to do it. And I was saying, um, I recently was saying, because, uh, a lot of us adults don't feel comfortable going to the playground and swinging. People will be like, what are you doing? I and get I was saying, dizzy you know,
4: on those swings now. <laughs>
3: whether it's, yeah. I mean, whether it's swinging, I, I kind of do too. I get motion <laughs> sickness, but I, but I enjoy it. Or like going down a slide or a seesaw, you know, whatever it is, but people are like, Oh, well, you know, I, you know, I feel weird going on. it." And I was like, yeah, well, whatever it was like, Fifteen years ago, if you saw somebody walking down the street and they were talking to themselves, you'd be like, "Wow, that person's crazy." Now you see somebody walking down the street; they're like, "Oh, they must be on a conference call, right?" right? <laughs> so the more people do it, the the more it becomes normalized and and mainstream. So um, you you can be a trailblazer, a pioneer in play. What do you do to play? Um, I I am I not sure if I can, um, I tend to be a bit of a rule bender. (laughs) So, um, I, I, uh, can sometimes do, um, uh, some things that are, um, you know, I I would say mischievous, you know, so in between my very, um, important meetings, um, I will literally skip down the hall. (laughs) Um, I, um, uh, as I mentioned I do the dancing. Dancing's a big go-to. I I, I was um uh I was in uh, I was showrunning a TV series for Discovery and one of the things that I would do for my entire staff, I had the production assistant buy a disco ball and we put it in the it was sort of like open space. And anytime the stress became the stress level became too high. And it was at random. People could be in a meeting. People could be on a phone call. I would have him turn off the um, the lights, turn on the disco ball, and we would play disco. And everybody was required to dance up until the time I felt the vibe changing. And you could just feel it. That's you could awesome. feel like, you know, like from high stress to people giggling and all of that. And then boom, we'd be back doing what we were doing. But it would be a major shift in energy. So stuff like that. So, um, and I could mention so many others, but uh, I think once we, once one figures out their personality type, then just allowing those the the play activities that are associated with it and baking it in within our days, and 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 most likely you know you know what brings you joy. You'd be like, okay, yeah, I could do that. And then you integrate it. It could be three minutes, you know, within your day, or it could be three hours, depending on your time and your commitments and such. But super, super important. And it's made a huge difference in my life. Huge. And I have my kids playing now. Um, They know I can be very serious and I could be really playful. And um, my wife and I play all the time. So um, I play with, with certain friends.
4: I've got my playmates. Super what do you important. play? What's, what are your playmates? What do you do with them? I love this idea. So, uh, you know, it's, is it like, yeah, like I'm super curious. Cause I do a lot of walking with friends, walking and talking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So but I don't know if that's play. Is that play?
3: Not really because we often talk about relationships. We often talk about work and play is you're not doing any of that. So. Um, so like my um, friend and I could go for a walk and I also go for walks. Um, I love, love, love walking, Um, you know, but we'll, we'll stop and, um, you know, we'll be be by the water and um, you're going to think I'm crazy, but we'll suddenly become, you know, we'll be by a boat and then suddenly we'll be pirates you know, and, you know, talk about how we're going to like steal this boat and, you know, we do various uh, things around it and then we giggle. It could be like all of five minutes Mm -hmm. and then and we're and we're off. We could start skipping down. Um, We play hide and seek. Uh, We I mean, there's so many different things, um, but it's very impromptu. Like it just like something will spark and then you give um like we were she, she and i um this was my friend Michelle she's one of my top playmates mm-hmm. and we were at a um at a party and um i don't know why but um both of us ended up grabbing the they had bluetooth speakers and um we each grabbed them and um we started dancing around with them like we were acrobats or something. Like for and there's all these videos of us because we look kind of crazy, but we were laughing our butts off. And then we put it back down and then we were adulting again and chatting and all of that. So
4: mm-hmm. I um, think I need to pay attention more to my kids and how they play. Well, not my older ones now, because I feel like it's gotten beaten out of them, probably. But my my little one who's nine, like I'm just thinking yesterday we were at a base, my other son's baseball game. And I said, let's, let's race. Let's, let's have a, let's have a race, you know, like, and it wasn't competitive. It wasn't like, who's going to win. And he killed me. Cause like suddenly my legs apparently don't work that well. Um, and then we skipped back, you know, and then he was climbing a tree, which I would have done. And I was like, this, this is th- so playful, but we don't, that's it. We don't do that like I never do that. I never ever do that. i'm maybe just not a playful mother um but i I think finding that connection with our kids, if you have kids, can be a really great place to start for this
3: I think absolutely, and we're conditioned to adult um, nobody i mean, I think that if It was required of us, like it's required of us to go to school and work and all of that. They should bring
4: recess back to work.
3: Oh my God. Yes. Yes. But with intention. And I was looking at, we were in Florida um, a few months ago, and I was watching these kids on the beach, and they were so intentional about playing. You know, they were by the water, and one of them would take the bucket and go and get. Um, water and I don't know what they were building but they all seemed to have their roles and such and they were kind of helping out and they were partnering and and all of that and you knew that whatever they were building especially since it was really close to the the water line would disappear you know within an hour but it did not matter Mm -hmm. right it was Mm -hmm. in that activity and the partnership and the presence and all of that and I was you know I would have gone and joined them except that. Yeah, the parents would probably think I'm a little weird. So right. I didn't do
4: this, this lady. <laughs> well, and another thing that's interesting too, again, shifting back to kids and just thinking about what this means developmentally for our brains. Uh, a couple of years ago, I took my son to an audiologist. And one of the mm-hmm. things that she said that she was seeing was a lot more executive functioning. I mean, there's executive functioning issues in kids anyway, but a, a significant amount more because of the lack of free play time that kids had in terms of being able to structure things like exactly what you're talking about, the the walking back and forth from the water and who's going to have the different roles and how those roles get established and how you navigate conflict and how you plan and how you're intentional about things. And that without, and, and without, with the structure that we started bringing in earlier and earlier, When we think about the neuroplasticity of the brain and how we're maybe shutting down, I don't know if this is proven, somewhere probably is, potentially shutting down a part of the brain that needs to be growing and expanding to learn and to really um, cultivate these skills at a crucial time, because really around 10, 11, 12 is when you start to see the need for those executive functioning skills to kick in as we move towards, you know, more formal schooling and planning and things like that how we're doing such a disservice by robbing our kids of this play and what that could mean for us so that's just no i think
3: i think you're you're you are preaching to the choir definitely because i i for sure and um that just may be the subject of my next book because i do think that there is tremendous power um in it I mean to the point that I've actually um uh, began researching um the idea of creating play centers you know um where it wouldn't be a church or a community center or a spa or whatever but that you could go at any time throughout the day and you know like I want to have a bashing room how often do you like get so frustrated and want to just go somewhere and just like bash things, you know, or have a disco room uh, where you could just, you know, it's one o'clock in the afternoon, but, you know, dance your butt off and, you know, meditation room. And, you know, I'm thinking like big swings and stuff. So you could just go and truly play and let go for a period of time and feel, you know, safe and good, uh, much like you would go into a gym or go into therapy. So I think that hopefully we will see some advancements in it. And I have every intention of being a part of that.
4: Well, Shireen, thank you so much for your time today. This was fascinating. I loved talking about the really the power of play, I think, as as an intervention here, or how to connect us back with our souls. Yeah, super, super important. If people are interested in your work, can you tell them where they can find you?
3: Yes. So anything and everything relating to uh, my book and the six-week process is my name, Shireen Adassam. So shireenadassam.com on Instagram and TikTok. It's also Shireen Assam. And uh, my book comes out on June 20th. And, um, it is, is already available, um, for pre-sale pre-order on, uh, multiple platforms, obviously Amazon and Barnes and Noble and a few others. And once it comes out, um, hopefully, um, independent bookstores as well, cause that's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'd love to, and I love hearing from people. So, um, you know, DM me um, on social or reach out to me through the website. And I try very, very hard to reply to people personally. Um, and so far I've been able to. Hopefully, I can keep that up.
4: Well, thank you so much for your time. And everybody go check out free to be. Um, free, to be. free to be. And it reminds me of that free to be you and me like when we were kids which yeah it was
3: actually one of the reasons so i was like should i name it that should i not um a lot of people don't know that um song or are not of that generation right Um, and and it felt right so the the tagline is a six week uh a six week guide to reclaiming your soul and um and hopefully it'll do that for you
4: well, thank you so much and good luck. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Like what you heard today and want to hear more, wondering what comes next and what it all means, head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life.